You're listening to a Calvary and Adults podcast, a ministry out of Calvary Baptist Church, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Calvary Young Adults is a midweek worship gathering of those in the Durham region who are between the ages of 18 and 30. We love the Lord, proclaim His Word, and celebrate His goodness. This podcast series is a release of the sermons from Thursday evenings. In today's episode, Pastor Nick talks about the person of Deborah. Let's listen now. Guys, we are kicking it or bringing it along through this Character Matters series, and tonight we're going to be looking at another character, and this month we are actually kicking off uh, three women in a row. We're not kicking women. We don't do that here, but we are talking about three powerful women, and tonight I'm going to be talking about one, and the one that we're going to be talking about tonight is named Deborah, and she was a judge, and her story is found in judge, starting in Judges, Judges 4, and it moves through a little bit to Judges 5 and a little bit into 7. So we're going to be looking at that. Thank you, Pastor Jordan. We're going to be looking at that tonight. Um, the tagline, we usually have this character tagline that we, we like to use, and we usually pull a scripture. And when I was studying Deborah this week, I found this passage. It's, it's Deborah 5-7. It says, I, Deborah, arose, I arose a mother in Israel. Judges 5-7. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into this. God, just give us teachable hearts we request from you. Lord, as we open up your word, I pray that you would tune our hearts and our minds to the things that you want us to learn, to the things that you want us to put into play, to the things that you want us to do on behalf of your name. We love you so very much. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week we're going to be looking at the life, the calling, and the character of a woman named Deborah. And I have a question I wanted to start with because... I like questions. It's, it's a good way to interact with us. And the first question I wanted to ask tonight is, what do you see? So internal reflection, what do you see when you look at the people of God? What do you see? What comes to mind? Let's have a dialogue. What comes to mind when you see the people of God? Let's go. Yes. Mistakes. Mistakes. Okay. What else? Yes. Faith. Faith. You can just yell them. Authority. Authority. Joyful. What else? Difference. Difference. Couple more. What do you see when you see the people of God? Leadership. Leadership. Good. Action. Love. These are great answers. Well, when Moses looked at the people of God, when he looked at the people of Israel, he saw a mighty army. When they were enslaved in Egypt, they, they lifted their prayers up to God, and God heard their prayers, and, they, and he sent Moses and Aaron into Egypt, and they brought out an army of people. When David, when David looked at the people of God, he saw a flock of sheep. David, as a young man, grew up tending sheep, and not only was he bringing sheep from one pasture to another so that they can be well-fed and, 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 and grow up strong. He was protecting these sheep. The Bible records that he would fight off bears and lions, and he would protect the sheep. And David looked at the flock, and when he looked at he became a king, he treated his, his, the people of God like little sheep that he had to protect. There's a guy in the, in the 
the book of Psalms, his name is Asfa. He's a choir director. And when you look at his, what he thought of the, the people of God, he records the people of God as a fruitful vine, connected, together, growing. And when Deborah looked at the people of God, she saw pe- the, the, the children of God in need of a mom. Deborah was a judge, and she saw a family. She saw a family who needed a mom. Because in Judges 5, 7, it says, I, Deborah, arose, arose like a mother in Israel. And when people really think of the character of Deborah, actually, when I was in Bible college, the way I was taught the character of Deborah was like a Joan of Arc-style woman, like gruff, rough, like huge calves, rode a horse, maybe had a sword, kicked people in the face, kind of like Lily. Lily's like flexing over here. She's going to flex it out. That's how Deborah was described to us as we were, we were in school. We we're like, Deborah was one of those ones who was, was not afraid of anything. She'd be the first in line, kicking over the guys. Let's do this. So that was the picture I had of Deborah in my mind when I came to this. I'm like, all right, it's going to be a, a rough week. I'm going to bring weights out. We're, I'm going to get Lily to come up, bench press something. That's what we're going to do. But actually, this series has really like, changed my whole heart and mindset about all of God's characters. Because when you actually take time to actually study God's word, you see him reveal and pull back layers. And he actually reveals like, some, some great stuff. But he also really convicts our heart. And sometimes we can hear a certain thing te- taught one way and just kind of, that's what we know. And that's all we know. And I have to confess, when I left Bible college in that one section, that's how I looked at Deborah. But over this study, no, totally changed. The character of Deborah has literally changed my heart, and you're going to see why. Because people would look at her as this Joan of Arc warrior type person, but she was actually, she was actually had a title, and she was a local judge. And what she would do is she would settle disputes in a local region. Some think that the judges, when, a judge, when we look at the book of judges, we think that they were appointed as rulers over nations, like many kings, but that actually is not so. Deborah was a, was a person who would set up a specific place where she would, she would set, be set up in a specific place, and only the people of God who were dealing with sin and disputes and just things that were going on in their lives, and they just really didn't know what to do, this was a person that God had set up that these God's people only could go to that person, and that person would help them. They would help them make decisions that would bring honor and glory to God. You see, during this time when Deborah was is recorded in Joshua 4. We start there and we move up through 5 and a little bit in 7. This is what Deborah did. The period during the judges was such a very difficult time for the people. God's people go through these incredible stages in life. As we look at the beginning of Genesis and we work through Revelation and then the new church that we are a part of right now, the the Catholic church, the, the world, universal, global, invisible church that we're all a part of, if you have Jesus as your savior, we've go through major seasons. We do major shiftings. God calls people out of darkness into mild earth light every day. He's rebuking people. He's growing people up. He's telling people, you need to sit down and shut up and listen to me. He's doing all kinds of different things with the church. And for God's people in the time of judges, it was a really hard time. And God needed someone who was sold out to him to speak for him. And that's what Deborah did during this difficult time. Because the godly leaders, remember we talked about Moses. Moses made a mistake and, and then 
God restricted him from going into the promised land, and we know Aaron did get in there, but Joshua, after the 40 years of wandering, living in the the Israelites living in disobedience, Joshua leads them into the promised land. When we studied the book of Joshua, we learned that Joshua was continuing to rise up leaders that loved God, that spoke on his behalf, that helped the community to turn away from sin and move towards God. When we come to a point where Deborah is, is now helping God, and all of the leaders that Joshua has trained up, they're dead. Okay, they have died. But the leaders, as they were transitioning, people were dying, the next group of leaders, they weren't training them up. They weren't training the next generation to love the Lord, to seek him out, to not believe in false gods, to not intermarry, to not have false idols. They weren't doing any of that. They weren't teaching the people. For God's people, it is very important. One of you yelled out leadership when we think of God's people. Leadership is strictly a a thing given from God to the church so that we will be able to train up more leaders every generation so that they turn to God, but not only personally turn to God, they'll turn to their left and their right and they'll look who's there and actually bring them along. Love your neighbors. But that didn't happen. So we're in a moment, we're in a season where there, are, where there are people that are God's people and they have no leaders that are doing the right thing. They're actually just doing whatever they want. Almost kind of like our, our life now. See, the godly leaders that Joshua trained up had died and the next generation that grew up, reject, they rejected the teaching and the traditions and they just did whatever felt good. Whatever I believe is truth will be truth for me. You know, anytime we begin to live like that, it's fun for a little bit, isn't it? We get to live in our sin for a little bit, it's fun, and then eventually we start to feel guilty, or we start to actually literally change in mindset, in heart. Our heart actually becomes hardened a little bit towards the things of God. And eventually we find ourselves far from God, where once we would be over here just say, let's take your life right now, young professionals, maybe you grew up in the church, you were active in the youth ministry, you were doing things for God, you went on a mission tour, you shared your testimony, you led someone to Jesus, you were baptized, and then you went into university, and then you you got busy, you stopped going to church, things were, you, you had to study, you got a job, and then eventually you just started doing little things. And before you know it, you're way over here. And you didn't think you'd be over here, but you're way over here, and you hardly even feel God anymore. You hardly even look to God. You don't really remember any of his, his commands. And we see people like that drifting so easily away from God because they don't take things serious when it comes to what God has in store for them. And that's what this culture was like. They were just doing whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And their, their hearts were, they were walking away from God. We know from the, from the word of God that God doesn't leave us. We leave God. Right? We walk away from God because we want to hang out and do our own thing. We want to just, this feels good, that looks good, I want a part of that, I want this in my life. When things are hard, I don't want to deal with that, so I'll just shut that off. And sometimes God actually brings us through a season and says, hey, I need you to deal with this stuff because this, this season is going to really pull back some areas in your life that you really have to give over to me, and you're just blocking those off. Are you seeing the picture that we're painting here? This new generation of people were turning to false gods, to the nations around them saying, hey, come over here. You can do whatever you want. And the judges, the book of Judges show a vicious cycle of God's people 
So catch this. God's people, any, any of God's people here tonight? I'm a God's people. I'm a God's people right here. I'm one. I see hands going up. Well, there was this vicious cycle that continues. This is what the cycle was. That God's people who love God, they knew his commands like us, they would live in disobedience. They would actually do things that would cause God to bring correction. It's this sinful, vicious cycle. The cycle of sin, suffering, repentance, and deliverance. The judges show a vicious style of disobedience. And then when disobedience would happen, correction, God would correct his people. Because the thing about God is he won't let you live there. You may think you can do it. But if you're really sold out to him and he has in, in, he's in your life and the Spirit's in your life, you may dabble for a bit, but he's going to correct you. And it's better for you to turn to God than God to come and correct you. So the judges is showing this pattern of disobedience and then correction. And usually the correction that we see in the book of Judges is oppression. God would bring a foreign nation to come in and capture the people of God, and they would have to go through a bunch of stuff. And once they were in that stuff, we would see something happen. They would lift their eyes to God. They would turn their hearts to God. They would lift up, the, they would lift up and start praying, like, God, I don't like this anymore. Anybody pray that in the last month? I don't like this situation. Yeah, I don't like what's going on in my life. God, I need your help. I prayed it this morning. We're getting information coming around. I'm just like, God, I don't like this. Please help change it. Sometimes God brings us through these things, and then we get to a point where we're fed up, we're turning to God, we're saying, God, I need, I need your help, where are you? And the good thing about God is he does hear our prayers, he does intervene, he does want to help. And with an honest heart, when you turn your life, your sin, your, your disobedience over to God, he shows up with much grace and much love and forgiveness, and he says, come on, child, I got plans for y'all, let's go, let's do this. And this is what the judges are doing. See, the judges were regional leaders, not rulers over entire nations. And they didn't all work together at the same time. As we read through the judges, each judge was at a different time working with a different group of people, pointing them to God. We see this cycle of sin and suffering and repentance and deliverance. And it was repeated at least six times if you read the book of Judges. And Deborah, oh Deborah, she's the only woman mentioned as one of the judges and she categorizes herself as a mother towards Israel. And as we jump in, starting at Judges 4, 427, and we're going to go through this, I'm going to show you five ways in which Deborah cared for the people of Israel. And I think it's really important for us to dig in because we don't have a lot of good, good godly women leaders in the Bible that are talked about. But Deborah is an awesome one. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Deborah. So here's the first thing I want to tell you about Deborah in the Character Matters series. And here it is. It's like a mother, she settled our differences. Genesis 4, 4 and 5. When you look at this passage, you're going to see that Israel didn't have a centralized government until the appointment, the appointment of King Saul. Remember King Saul? They're, the people cry out and they say, we want a king. We don't want these judges no more. We want a king. We want to be like the other nations. And God says, you don't want a king. And they say, yes, we want a king. And then God says, no, you don't want a king. And they say, yes, we want a king. And he says, no, you don't, because they're going to abuse you. They're going to take your land. They're going to take your, your children. They're going to take your women. And they're going to do whatever they want. And the people says, I don't care. We want a king because we want to be like the other nations. 
So before that, though, before the establishment of the first king, which was King Saul, and he sucked at his job really bad. I'm just going to say it how it is. Like, before that, we have the judges, and, and Deborah was the one that the people would go to. She would settle the disputes. Now, Deborah, it's kind of cool. You think a, a, a judge, sometimes when I actually had a picture of this in Bible college, a judge I used to think was in like a court. Like a big, like, you open the doors and you walk in and you have to, I'm going to dispute. Like, this person stole my rice. Like, do something. And then the judge would step up and like, guilty, get him out. That kind of thing. Deborah held court under a palm tree. This is what she did. She held court under a palm tree and the people of God who had anything going on in their life and they needed help could come visit her. The thing about Deborah that I love is she knew the Lord. She loved the Lord, she testified about the Lord, and she knew God's law. Deborah knew a lot of the Lord and was able to actually listen to the problems and give wise counsel. Now, Deborah, Deborah looked at God's people as children, and she, and she took the position of a mom. So you, you have to get in that kind of view, viewpoint. Like, if you have a loving mom, just think of your mom if she was really loving. If she wasn't loving, don't think of her right now. But if you had a loving mom that would really, like, help out, like, mom, uh, this happened. And, they, like, the moms, they, like, they get at your level. Like, they look at you and they're like, yeah, it's okay. Tell me about it. What happened? Maybe you, you are a mom or you want to be a mom and that's the type of mom you want to be. Like, you want to you wanna really relate to your kids. You want to get into their life. You want to just be with them. Deborah was that kind of girl. She was that kind of woman. She, she felt comfortable to speak to people and people felt comfortable to come to her and say hey we have an issue she said yeah okay come in let's talk about this let's have a moment here let's see what god can do for you let's let's see what the scriptures have to say about that deborah would always base her decisions and counsel on god's law and that is super important and something that we should be highlighting and if any of our ladies are in here tonight and you're leaning in a little bit pick this up deborah knew god's law Deborah knew it really well. Deborah was able to help other people because she knew what God wanted. She knew what God had to say. You see, back then, the majority of leadership at that time, they were all male. So to have a female hold such a high office, this was unique. But here's the, here's the thing. Deborah was such a unique person herself. She was, remarkable. she was a remarkable person, a remarkable woman, chosen and used by God. Just like a good mom, Deborah took the time to listen to God's children. She helped them make good decisions. She helped God's people settle their differences with even the petty infighting. She would sit there and listen like a good mom. Like, I have two friends that are in this room tonight that are like moms. They are moms, but they're like moms to our whole ministry. Actually, I have, I have more than one, more than two. I have three amazing moms that I know of right now. I got Sherry, I got Rachel, and I got Annie. And I think they should be here tonight. Are my, my, my moms here? Yeah, okay. These are, these are godly women moms. They don't have a palm tree, right? They, there's no palm tree with them. But they're the kind of godly moms that are in our ministry, and they're the ones that a majority of our ladies and some of our guys go to and say, hey, will you help me with this? this predicament I'm in. Maybe you don't use the word predicament, but let's bring it back. Let's start using it. Let's do it together. 
can you help me with this predicament? I get emails all the time from, from Sherry and from Rachel and from Annie, and she's, they're just pouring out love all the time. Love, love, love. So you need to pray for these women because they do love God. And they do care for the people of God. And they, knew God, they know God's word. And they're continuing to learn God's word. And they're not full-time employees at this church, but they act like it. Because everyone calls them and is asking for help. And every day they get up, not only do they take care of their kids, but they take care of God's kids. And if you have a relationship with any of those three women, you can easily think of Deborah. That's the type of woman she was. A few things to note in this first section. Deborah knew God's word. Deborah knew God's law. Deborah wanted to apply God's law. Like most moms, Deborah put the needs of everyone else over her own, and she would make sure that God would get the glory and the people would benefit. I remember watching my wife as a mom work a full-time job and then come home and take care of three kids and a husband, which sometimes is like a fourth kid. Like, she, would, she was like a super mom, and she'd have a, a day filled with craziness, working in a hospital with all kinds of stuff going on, and she would still come in with a smile and still have time to minister to her family. And it, she, was never, she never complained like, you guys don't give me enough time, or I just need a day alone, I just need to go to the spa, even though she deserved all of that and more. She never said those things. She just knew that... Sometimes you just have to sacrifice. I learned a lot from watching Laura minister to our family in that position. Number two, like a mother, she challenged them to do their best. Judges 4, 6 through 10. During this time, there was a king from Canaan, and his name was Jabin. And this king was evil and up to no good, and he was an oppressor of all the people. And the Lord told Deborah he wanted to deliver his people because God uses these foreign people, these foreign enemies to come in and they, they oppress God's people and God's people get to a point where they're fed up. I'm not taking this anymore. Instead of doing a protest or uh, writing a letter, they begin to pray. And when they begin to pray, the prayers hit heaven like a mighty rushing river and God listens and God sends a reaction. He sends an answer. And the Lord told Deborah he wanted to deliver his people. Instead of trying to solve the problem alone, like, Deborah, I'm going to help my people. Okay. I, I feel what you're saying. I know what, you're, I know what you want. Okay, I'm going to use you. Deborah, like a, a wise person, doesn't think that she can charge hell with a water pistol. Like, she en enlists some help. So she goes to this guy, and this guy's name is Barak. And she says, Barak, I need your help. And we're going to, I need you to go and I need you to get an army ready of God's people so that we can go and take care of this little issue that God wants taken care of. Instead of trying to solve the problem alone, she enlists the help of Barak to recruit an army. And Barak was from this northern tribe from Naphtali and was able to get volunteers from not only his own tribe, but two other tribes that were adjacent that were really close. So Barak had this ability to get a bunch of, a bunch of people. Deborah challenges the leaders. It's like this little pep rally. They bring, Barak brings all the leaders together and she challenges them and says, hey, God wants us to do this. And together we can do it because God is for us. And if God is for us, who can? 
be against us. And that's something we as God's church need to know and understand and remember when the leadership comes together and says, if God is for us, who could be against us? We need to rally together. And the first thing that we need to do is not run out the doors, is drop to our knees and begin to pray and seek the Lord and ask God to bless us. And Deborah brings Barak and all of these leaders together and he says, and she begins to instruct them and say, okay, God has a plan. And if God has a plan, it's going to succeed. See, communication was not easy back then. It wasn't like, I'm going to send an email, hey guys, we have a meeting, a Zoom meeting in five minutes, jump on. It wasn't like that. People all over the world jumping on. Communication was very different. But Deborah had the ability to organize and communicate through multiple tribes and organize a big army. She was a delegated leader. Since she could do this, she calls on Barak and says, Barak, you got to go and lead the army. And Barak, like, here's a moment, dude. I'm going to say it like this. Here's a moment. You've been chosen to walk alongside of me in my humble position. God has a plan for us. We're going to step out with a mighty, mighty army. God is with us. Barak, go do this. This is your moment. He says, I'm not doing it unless you come with me. What do you mean? Like, this is an imperative from the Lord. This is a command from the Lord. Go and do this, Barak. No, I'm not going, Deborah, unless you come with me. I can literally see this in my head. That's his voice in my head, too. I'm not doing it unless you come. We got the army here, but I'm not going to take one more step unless you're with me. Deborah steps up to the plate. She goes to the war. She goes to the front lines. She makes a promise. She says, you're not going to get the credit for this. A woman will get the credit for this, for this victory. And he says, I don't care. I'm not going without you. And she says, okay, someone go, go get my sandals. We're going to war. Deborah challenges the leaders. Barak refuses to go, and Deborah steps up and goes with him. What is this saying about Deborah? She didn't shy away from the call that the Lord had upon her life. She stood with God's people. She stood on the front lines of the battle. Deborah wanted the people to do her their very best. And by doing their very best, she thought she would lead them by her doing her very best as a display. What a great example, not only to God's women, but God's people. Anytime that God calls us to do something, let's go at it with our very best. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the job is, do it to the very best of your ability. If it's being nice, then be nice to the very best of your ability. If it's holding a door, hold it with a big smile, covered up with a mask, but your eyes should be looking in such a way that people know you're smiling. Like you do it in such a way that it just brings honor and glory for God, not to praise man, but know that your Father in heaven is looking down at you and he is seeing what you're doing and you're doing it onto him. That's what Deborah is doing. She's setting this up. She challenged the people to do their very best. Even in war, even in hard situations, she didn't shy away. Isn't that cool? Like, that wasn't taught to me in Bible college. I had to read the Bible for that one. Like a mother... This is number three. Like a mother, she encouraged them to trust the Lord. We see this in Judges 4, 11 through 16. Deborah personally received the battle plan from the Lord. And when she got this battle plan, what did she do? She followed it. She didn't make up her own rules. She didn't insert her own little, little moments. She didn't say, oh, this would be a nice time for a break. Everybody grab some water. We're going to have a five-minute break. Then we'll go back and kill some people. It wasn't like that. It's not the five-year-old soccer team. 
This is war. Deborah's called to lead, her and Barak going forward. So she's following it right to the T, what God wanted. And on the front lines, going forward, taking one step together as God's people working together as one, as one people, Deborah encourages the people, trust in the Lord. We need to be saying that, people. We need to be telling each other, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Whatever's going on, let's not just sit and gossip about it. Let's say, trust in the Lord. I, almost, I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to fall off the stage. I'm trusted in the Lord that I'm not going to fall off the stage. But trust in the Lord. we got to tell people that. When people are feeling discouraged and down, we say, hey, what are we going to say? Trust in the Lord. Deborah did that. She's on the front line, standing shoulder to shoulder. And she looks out. And she knows that, that she should have a certain amount of tribes. You're going to read this in the, in the scripture. There should be a certain amount of people there. There's some people that said, hey, I got your back. I'm with you. The Lord has a plan. And she looks and she sees that there's nobody there. There are people that are missing. There's some slackers. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Sometimes God calls us to do things and we say yes to that. And then we don't show up. But she has this battle plan, and she's encouraging her, the people to trust in the Lord. And her leadership displayed that very thing. And the battle plan was this. Barak, this is a symbol. He was uh, to assemble his troops at Mat Mount Tabar, where the rolling countries were. So he says, okay, God, God says to Deborah, this is what you need to do. That army is coming. What I want you to do is go into this valley. Get everybody in the valley. Send some of the tribes down in the valley. So when the other, the other people are coming, the other army sees them, they're going to see open fields. We're going to get them. Let's kill them. It's war. But the other tribes that were coming to attack God's people, they, they were on chariots. So they were coming with horse and chariots. God's people got the like, spear and a stick. Like you're going into war like, what? There's a chariot. What are we going to do? They're going to cut our heads off. This is how intense it is. He says, no, go into that valley. I got a plan. God has a plan. So it looks like a scary moment. People are gathered. The people of God are gathered. They're, they're stepping forward. They're moving up. And they go into the valley, and what does God do? Brings a rainstorm. Rain starts pouring down, like just flooding this valley. The horses are coming through. The chariots are coming behind them. And the chariots get stuck. And the soldiers are trying to move the horses forward, and then God's people have an easy access to come in and stab them. <laughs> I know it sounds gross, but God had a battle plan. Sometimes God uses extraordinary things in our lives when we feel like we have no way out. He shows up, and there's a way out. He does extraordinary things because we have an extraordinary God who says he is for us. And when he says to you, I have a plan, you may not like what the plan is revealing, but one thing we do need to do, church, is we need to trust in that plan. So they come over, and then a torrential rain comes down, turns the whole plain into mud, the whole valley becomes a mud, and it halts their movement of chariots. The Lord's people move in. They have victory. The battle plan worked. The enemies of God were defeated. God got the glory, and the people knew once again that the Lord provides. Remember that the people were calling out to God, 
And God spoke to Deborah and said, I'm going to liberate my people. God had a plan. The people didn't have faith. God used a situation. They gave God back the glory and the hearts of the people were inspired. They were filled. There was faith filling up in their life. And they turned back to God and they gave him praise. That's amazing. That's what we need to be doing. This story is full of great stuff for us as the church. God has great plans for us in this season. He's got great opportunities for us to fill up our hearts with faith. If we would only turn to him and seek him. Like a mother, she encouraged them to trust the Lord. Number four, there's only five. I'm almost done. I hope you're with me. Like a mother, she reproached the slackers. She wasn't as scared to say, you're lazy. Judges 5, 15 through 17, when Deborah called upon the tribes to come to war and with her leaders on the front line standing shoulder to shoulder, she realized there were tribes that said they would be there, that said that they would have their back, that said that they would show up and didn't. They failed to respond to the call of arms. Reuben and Gad, east of the Jordan River, and didn't, didn't think that they had to come to the war. Dan and Asher, they were on, along the Mediterranean coast. They thought, hey, should we even, even get involved? It's, it's so far over there. There was no citizen in the city of Mazur in the tribe of Nephtali. None of, them ref- none of them volunteered. They refused to come and help God's people. They were part of God's people. They served God, but when, when war came and God had a plan and the plan was told to them, they chose, meh, I'm not going to go. I got better things to do. And by remaining home, these people failed their fellow Jews as well. Has failed God. This is a great demonstration of the lack of loyalty to the leaders God calls people to follow. God has set up leaders and He says, Listen to these leaders, they will give an account for your soul. And then these leaders step up and they live their whole life pouring their lives out to make sure that the sheep of God are fed, are protected. And then the sheep are just like, Ah, I got better things to do. And they don't come. And, they did, and, and the biggest thing that really is so dis, disheartening and dissatisfying and, and really breaks our hearts, Pastor Jordan and I have prayed about this lots of times. It's not that you're hurting our feelings. It's that you're missing out on what God has in store for you. When the body of God comes and, and is one body, one spirit, in one baptism, under one voice, and we begin to praise God, The Bible actually says that God dwells within the praises of his people. When you're not here and you're not pressing in, you're missing out. There's more to church than just showing up. It's it's coming and giving your all every time. Who cares what other people think? Love the Lord. Show up. Press in. Sometimes people just choose to do their own thing. Not only does this disappoint God, but they miss out on the great blessing of seeing him provide in the hardest of circumstances. Those people, those tribes that didn't show up, they had better things to do, missed out on the great demonstration of what God did. And they missed out on their hearts being filled with faith. 
and part of God's family, they failed. They failed in faith. And you're going to see later on these tribes struggle in God's great plans. It's the same with God's people. You don't come, you don't press in, you miss out. Your heart's not filled with faith. You stop trusting in the Lord. And eventually, later down the line, you're struggling. Hey, Deborah, you still at that tree? Hey, if you had to came to battle, you wouldn't be here right now. Because you would be trusting in the Lord. You'd be opening up his word. You'd be pressing in. Deborah was not afraid to call the slackers out of their disobedience. And she did. She went to them and said, where were you? Why didn't you show up? And I think we've got into a culture or a, a state of a call in a state of this culture where we're just so afraid to say, hey, we really missed you at church. And we often think it's the, the pastor's or the leader's responsibility to, to send you 17 messages and say, hey, come to church, which we do. All of our leaders do that all the time. But there's something to be said when you're sitting in the, in the seat yourself and you look to the left and you know that your friend is not there and then you don't say anything to them. Shame on us. Hey, I know your life's busy. We're all busy. But I really missed you tonight. I really missed having you right beside me as we would sing to the Lord and as God's word was opened up. And as we could talk about here, I want to give you what we learned about. I want to catch you up. Here's the song we sang. Here's what Pastor Jordan and the team let us in. Here's what Pastor Nick opened up the word about. I want to, I'll, I'll, I'll get you caught up, but next week, come. I'll be with you. That's the kind of attitude we need to have on Sundays and on Thursdays and whatever ministry you're a part of. Let's take responsibility for the people on the left and our right. Because God would want us to do that. Love your neighbor with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. One of the greatest ways you can love your neighbor, make sure they're involved in the things of God. God will use you. Open your mouth. And I don't say this as a, like, chastising you. Because a lot of us are doing this. But if you have an opportunity to do that, please do it. God will bless you for that, and your friends will be blessed as well. Like a mother, last one, she let others take the credit. We see this Judges 4, 17 through 24, and 5, 24 through 31. You know what? Your leader doesn't care. Who get, you know you're a good leader when you don't care who gets the credit, as long as God gets the glory. And that's what the story of Deborah is all about. She even sings a song of endearment. And she closes the song by pointing people to the Lord. In, Genesis, in Judges 5, 31, she's, we see Deborah. This Deborah sings. So many, she says, so many, all your enemies perish, O Lord. But me, they who love you, who elect the sun when it rises in its strength, be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Those who love you, may they be like the sun powerful, always on time, always watching, always overseeing, always doing what it's called to do. May God's people always be like the sun, rising in strength. When God's people show up, people start freaking out, especially Satan. You guys walk in here full of faith, the room shakes. You just don't feel it. 
But things start to shift in the spiritual world because you love Jesus and you're taking a step forward. And we don't praise man. We don't say how amazing each man is or each woman is. We do. We encourage each other. But ultimately, the glory goes to God. We walk in here with power and strength given to us by God. Deborah sings about that. She gives special credit. There's this moment, this beautiful moment, that this, this, enemy, this enemy general comes into this, this camp, and he goes into this woman's tent. Her, her name is Jael, J-A-E-L. She, her, her, and, and she gives him some milk, and it's in the heat of the day. Any of you in the summertime, like, it's just so hot, you just want to have a nap? When you're outside, you're just like, I'm wasted here. Not drunk and wasted. I'm just emotionally, energy wasted. Like, ugh. This guy shows up. Hey, can I come in your tent? Sure, come on in. Want some milk? <laughs> she gives him milk. Buddy passes out like this. This is gross. This is R-rated. He's passed out. She smiles, takes a step forward, picks up a tent peg, drives it right through his head. <laughs> yeah, the Bible's not, it's all not, it's not always neat and pretty. This guy who is an enemy of God, causing God's people to just to be like a mess, he shows up to the wrong tent on the wrong day with the wrong woman. He says, come on in, I got some milk. I'm not joking, read it. She drives a tent peg through the head of the general. And in that day, it would be most unusual for an unaccompanied man to enter a woman's tent. So this would be the perfect place to hide within God's people. Jail belonged to a neutral tribe, but was friendly to, to this guy and his invitation because he seemed sincere. So he, she brings him in and promises the general some milk to drink and just waited till he fell asleep. And then she drove a tent peg through his head. And as the blood begins to drip out and his life is sucked from him, who shows up? Barak. Of course, five seconds late, he shows up to see the time, just in time to see the corpse covered. War is, is hard. It's deceptive. But Jael knew who the enemy was, and she saw an opportunity, and she took it. Like a mother, Deborah and Jael let others take the credit and we see in this great war, God used two women to accomplish his plans. And it is strange for us that we do not see, that we do not see Deborah or Jael mentioned in Hebrews 11.2 with Barak. The writer of Hebrews 11.2 includes Barak as the victor in this, and not these two women. They're not mentioned, but the man is. But we know who, who God used, don't we? God kept it in the real story. We knew, we knew that God used these two women who loved them to take on the enemies of God. And Deborah was a mother in Israel, and she was willing to let others get the credit as long as God was glorified. So in closing, I want to give you a couple things. This is what I learned about studying Deborah this last week. She was a judge. 
She did her counsel under a tree. And she loved the Lord. She knew his word. She trusted and displayed proper leadership when she was called. She was organized and courageous. She was not afraid to get her hands dirty. She was not afraid to give others credit. She did everything for God's glory. Deborah was a good judge. Deborah was called and used by God. And I believe that there are two significant things that all of us should take away from this, not just women, but men and women of God. One, God uses people that love him. If you love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, but you are struggling to obey him, turn to him, and God uses people who love him. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, God's, God uses people that know him. So it's not just loving him, but it's actually intimacy through knowing him. And the best way to get to know God is through his word. God speaks daily through his word. He uses the spirit that is in your life and the word of God together, and he just makes it alive. God will use you, and he will use you to big things, for big things. This is the Character Matter series, and this is Deborah, a woman of God, for the people and for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that we could just gather and just open up, up your word a little bit and just kind of highlight one of your, your lovely children. God, I, I want to thank you for this character that we looked at tonight. I pray that she has instilled a little bit of hope into our lives. God, thank you for making Deborah. Thank you that she was unique. Thank you that you gave her a special position. Thank you that she loved the children like a mom. And she declared that. That title wasn't given to her by someone else. She said, I see your people, God, and I arose like a mother to help counsel, to help love on, to help point them in the right direction so that they would grow up well, so that they would turn to you and love you with all their hearts. Deborah went to the front lines, Lord. God, I know that you're going to call our women and our men to the front lines, and I pray that we would show up to the battle. When we look to the left and right, we notice people that we know, know you, are not here. May we be diligent in following up with them and saying, hey, come to the battle. We are in a war, a spiritual war for the souls of God's people. The enemy surrounds us all the time. He wants to take us out. He sets footholds and, and traps all, all day long for God's people, hoping he can get, catch them. How many people today were thinking, hey, I should go to young adults tonight? but made a decision throughout the day not to come. God, there are over 70 people here, but how many did you have planned to come tonight? God, I want to thank you for those who did come. We love them very much, and I know you do too. And I want to pray for them. I want to pray for their lives. I want to pray that they turn to you. And I know that you, let, you listen. So God, I, as we pray and as we lift our prayers, as, as we turn from certain things in our lives, will you be there with power and strength and confession and just healing for your people? God, please put in our hearts right now that we would show up this weekend to church because that's what we're called to do and we have a great opportunity. So God, let's press in and do that. Will you mark our hearts tonight? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. 
If you've enjoyed today's podcast, check out our new podcast series, Living in the 66, a conversational series as we walk through God's Word chapter by chapter and seek to discover how we can apply it to our lives. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and until next time, blessings. Blessings.